0: You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with one extraordinary entrepreneur who went from climbing the corporate ladder to battling cancer to absolutely crushing it in her online business. This you gotta hear. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up ladies and gentlemen, James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to a Wednesday edition, a special edition here on the Mind Your Business podcast where I love to share and teach and provide value through example, through the real life journeys and extraordinary experiences, the lessons, the hardships, the ups and downs of extraordinary entrepreneurs just like you who are experiencing extraordinary results. I firmly believe that you can learn so much if you're paying attention When you listen to the story, the personal story, the struggle that someone just like you has already gone through, it's like a map, you know, they're like, Hey, this is watch out for this area (laughs) and uh, don't go over there and stay clear over here. Right. And so we always love to bring these and we have so many incredible, just truly inspiring members in our community. And today is No exception. In fact, as you'll hear in the interview, which I'll just share about for just a moment, every year we do this really fun contest. It's become quite the tradition here in the business by design community where everyone friendly competes with sharing their biggest breakthrough that they had over the past year. And they create a video and then we all vote. It becomes a super inspiring experience, and everyone watches the videos, and then everyone votes for their top picks, and then the person with the most votes wins, and they win all this stuff, like like a fully paid expense trip to our event, and VIP seating, and a bunch of other really cool stuff that I won't get into. And so I am here today to introduce you to the 2019 winner of that contest, We're actually Running that contest as we speak, if you're listening to this, we're doing it right now. This is really fun. But last year's winner is on the show. She's coming on the show and it's an amazing, amazing episode about her journey of going from corporate life to getting diagnosed with cancer to how she stepped into her purpose and is living the life and business of her dreams. Her name is Courtney Elmer. She's a wellness entrepreneur, speaker, and stress expert. And she's dedicated to showing high achieving women how to maximize their income and their impact without maxing out their time, energy, or effort. And you're gonna hear from her today in this interview. So without further ado, let's roll that tape. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with today's special guest, my friend, and the winner, the big winner of our huge case study contest that we did, Courtney Elmer. Courtney, how are you doing? James,
1: I'm great. I'm excited to be here.
0: This is great because there's a whole amazing, exciting contest that we did for our community, which I won't get into all the details of it, but it is worth acknowledging and just starting right there that out of all the members of our community that participated in sharing their like, last 12 months of growth and success, the winner was voted on by the community and they voted you. They voted Courtney and as part of her grand prize winnings, she got to sit in a comfy couch at the front row of our last big event, BBD live. So 600 people and Courtney got to bring a friend up and sit in the front row. And it was just like, that's so funny because basically like half the event I could look out over the sea and you know, you have the people and the lights are blinding you and you can't really see, but there's Courtney right there in the front on the couch, (laughs) looking up and here you are now. So Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. That was the most amazing couch too, because I'm only five foot two, and I have to say, I don't know how you guys pulled that off, but my feet could touch the floor when I was sitting all the way to the back. Like it was made just comfortable. It was made just for me.
0: (laughs) So obviously, our entire community voted for your story as being one that was a huge breakthrough and very inspiring. And we're going to get into your story today. But why don't we just start with a telling people a little bit more about who you are, like what it is that you do, who do you help and how do you help them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and stress expert for high achieving women. I show them how to break up with busy so that they can learn how to accomplish more while doing less and have the bigger impact that they deserve.
0: That's fantabulous. I know that really resonates with people on our show here. So welcome. There's so much to cover because you're a mom. You started your business after overcoming cancer. You're going to talk about how you've taken this business online in the past year. So like so much extraordinary stuff we're going to dive into today. But I think what I'm curious about is how did you get into doing this? What it is that you do?
1: Yes. I started my career in the corporate world working nine to five. Like I know so many of us out there have started, you know, our career path, just that was the natural progression. You graduate from college, go get a good job and just kind of go start working. And I always wanted to own a business of my own one day, but I didn't know what that was going to look like or how that was going to materialize. All I knew was that I wanted to climb that corporate ladder as fast as I possibly could. So that I could make the income I wanted to make, to then go out and start whatever this business would be, you know, without going into major debt or anything like that. So
0: are you so, like a type A personality?
1: Very much so, and I'm a one on the enneagrams. So like every I is always dotted, T's are crossed. You know, everything is just I'm a list maker, checking that list off.
0: You know a lot about I'm just learning about enneagram. I think I just found out I'm a th- three, five, three or five, five. What's a one?
1: One is the perfectionist.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. So do it right. Make it perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, Or else.
1: (laughs) Yes, that was me. To a T. So a friend of mine introduced me to the network marketing industry around that time. And I saw that as a really great opportunity to learn about business and to start making some money on the side. So I'm working my nine to five. I was that girl that would take work home on the weekends, work through lunch, started building this business on the side. And... Very quickly, my life just became work. My work was life. My identity became so wrapped up in what I did and in how well I did it. So fast forward a bit, met the love of my life. We had gotten engaged. We're planning our wedding, get married, come back home from the honeymoon. And I had been really sick a couple of weeks before the wedding with a bad sinus infection. My doctor said, look, when you come back from your honeymoon, just come in. Let me just give you another checkup, you know, make sure everything's all clear. So I went in. I felt fine at that point, not expecting anything to be amiss. Sat down in that chair. And that's when my doctor looked me in the eye that day and told me that I had cancer. Wow. Totally came out of left field, was not expecting that. At all. And how old were you at, at this point? 25 years old. Wow. And I had had a lot of success in my career. I had climbed my way up that ladder. You know, I was driving a luxury car. I had actually walked away from my nine to five and was building my network marketing business full time, going on all the vacations, all the stuff that from the outside looking in, anyone would have said, Courtney's got it together. She's so successful but I didn't feel that way on the inside. And I felt like I was living parallel to what I was really supposed to be doing in the world. I didn't know what that was. So I just kept working, hoping that one day I would turn up and figure it out. But sitting in the doctor's office chair that day, I knew that I had to figure out a way to have the success that I wanted, but not at the expense of everything else in life. That was really important to me.
0: You felt that way before you were diagnosed. Yes. Okay.
1: Yep. Wow. I did. It wasn't something I maybe could vocalize or verbalize at the time, but I definitely sensed it.
0: Wow. And so in a way getting the diagnosis kind of forced you to deal with it.
1: It did. It was the first time I ever had to slow down like that in my entire life because I was forced to.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like there is a, or can you say today and I'm just, just out of my own curiosity, there's a correlation to the cancer and the lifestyle that you had. Yes. Can you you speak to that?
1: Absolutely. I think it even goes back long before the lifestyle that I had. I do think the stress and the overwhelm and the pressure, the constant pressure and living under that pressure for years on end contributed to it. It brought my body to a point physically where I couldn't endure that anymore, but emotionally and mentally speaking, it went all the way back to my relationship with mom as a young girl, my mom, and I just harbored a lot of resentment you know, there in our relationship, which we had worked through and healed tremendously. But it's amazing, you know, we're such complex beings and our we can't discount, you know, who we are emotionally. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a big piece of it, too. So it just brought this whole new opportunity for me to explore and go deeper and see what was really under the surface there. You know, I truly believe stress, overwhelm, those are just symptoms of deeper problems mm-hmm. in our life, you know, that we're just either ignoring or that we're distracting ourselves from by staying busy and overwork. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And using busyness as that distraction. Mm -hmm. Totally. So you got the diagnosis. What was your modus operandi then? What was your plan of action? Like, how did you approach that when you were 25?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, my natural high achieving, you know, scratch it off the list, mentality was like, okay, well, how do we fix this? How do we solve this problem so I can move on and get back to my life? Because I don't have time for this. Like, this is just an interruption. And that's just kind of where I was in the moment, you know, but being forced to slow down and go through surgery and treatment and radiation and all of this really just forced me to consider the alternative. What was I going back to? What did I want to hurry up and move through this so quickly for to get back to, because I wasn't happy there either. And so as I'm kind of considering all of these things, it just really dawned on me that, you know, maybe there was a different way. Maybe there was a different path for me. I didn't know what that was going to look like. Honestly, it terrified me because all I ever knew was work. And to be totally honest with you, I wish I could say I did a complete 180. No, I didn't. I went straight back to my work as quickly as I could after that experience because that was all I knew. And that's what felt comfortable. Yeah but the seed had been planted. And so it started to sprout and started to grow. And eventually my journey led me to where I am today, but that's really, yeah, where it
0: all started. And so, yeah. So a lot of where you are today is, is sharing your message. Do you find yourself, whether it's in taking your business online, do you find that older version of that old Courtney, like the siren calling you back to, the hustle day, the type A, do you still feel that or is that like gone?
1: Oh, I I still feel it. (laughs) Uh, We're on video right now. I know those listening can't can't see it's like smiling as you're asking me this question. Yeah. Yeah. All the time, all the time, James, seriously. But knowing what I know now, And knowing now that stress and overwhelm and anxiety and all these emotions that come up are often just symptoms of something deeper. I didn't know that at the time. I thought stress and overwhelm was just something you've got to deal with, right? We're all stressed. We're all overwhelmed, especially when you're running a business that's just normal. It's normal part of life, but it's not. And I know now that they're indicators. So anytime I sense that pull back in that direction, or sense the urge to pile just a little extra more on my plate, cause I can handle it. I can do it. I always notice in that moment, what I'm feeling and really try to tune into that mm-hmm. and say, what's going on here under the surface, Courtney, what need in your life are you trying to fill with work right now?
0: Wow. That's huge. And then do you, do you do anything very intentionally in other areas of your life in order to like block out time or, you know, prevent work from spilling out into other areas. Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah. So I am a mom that has a two-year-old at home right now. I work during nap time. So very short amounts of time every day to work. And I'm very intentional with how I spend that time. So in the past, when I would have all day, this is before kids, you know, I'd have a full day to work and have the house to myself and be quiet. I'd get to the end of the day and look around and like, what did I actually accomplish today? And it honestly, it never really felt like much. Whereas now if someone were to ask me, you know, what did you do during nap time today? And we're talking an hour and a half, two hours, they'd be like, how did you do that? That's like a week's worth of work, but it's, it's the intentionality behind it. Right. So I'm not saying, sitting down and checking email and just responding to whatever's in my inbox. Yeah. I go into that chunk of time with a very specific intention. It's usually just one or two main things that I want to get done in that time frame. And if I did those things, then great. I can call it a successful day and my mind is at rest. You know, I'm not sitting there thinking of all the things I didn't get to. And I'm very intentional with just how I plan out that time.
0: So that's fantabulous. That's, that's awesome. And I know we have a lot of moms and younger moms or moms with younger kids. And so I know that's always helpful, inspiring. Cause I, I'm watching my little sister now with her second one <laughs> and it's not stopped. So that's pretty awesome. So when you started this business, it was an offline business. Yes. Um, yes. So what did that, what did that look like? And then what take me through that process of deciding to take it online?
1: Yes. So when I started the business, I started it with live events. That was kind of the model that I had learned, you know, from my very first mentor. And she taught me so much about just getting my ideas and turning it into a business. And I, that's where I started was with a live retreat, a three-day retreat that I would host twice a year. And I would speak in between, you know, hosting that event. And Really, as my business grew in the first year offline, it grew far more than I had ever anticipated. I don't know that I really set any goals for myself in that first year. It was kind of more of this one of these like, all right, let's just see where this goes type things. Just excited to get this off the ground. But as it grew, I knew that I needed a way to get my message out there in a way that was beyond just the room that I was speaking in Mm -hmm. and in a way that was essentially bigger than myself. And not dependent on me physically being in a room showing up to run an event. Yeah. So that's really kind of where, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, online, online, I need to take this online. And I had already been teaching my content, my system, all these things, you know, for a couple of years. But that was really that turning point when I recognized, you know, I'm outgrowing what I am capable of and what I'm willing to do because that was a big piece of it too. You know, sure. I could have gone on a speaking circuit and just, you know, had that kind of a lifestyle, but yeah. I didn't want that kind of a lifestyle. So that influenced that decision too, to take it online.
0: Yeah. Well, and it kind of creates almost a, an incongruency with your message too. <laughs> you have to Absolutely. 300 <laughs> days of the year to tell people to like, Work less and chill out.
1: <laughs> exactly. Do as I say, not as I do. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Just. <laughs> yeah. um, so you decided online is the way to go. Take us through that because you told me your beta launch was February of of past year. It hasn't even been twelve months.
1: No, it hasn't even been twelve months. We beta launched in February, and I just went into it with the expectation. Of learning. I just wanted to take it online, essentially taking what I already taught offline, putting it in an online format. I taught it live because I was like, well, I'm not going to put in all you know the time and effort and energy to create all these modules and some stuff if this isn't going to be something that's going to stick. So... I went into it curious and that was really my intention was just to learn from the experience and we did we learned a lot and we launched it again 6 months later and learned a lot from that experience as well and i think of everything we learned it's definitely the main thing is that this is now a huge component of our business it's here to stay and it's fulfilling that desire of my heart to bring this message to people where I can't physically be there and create something bigger than myself.
0: Love it. Going back to that first beta launch. Do you remember how many people joined the first time? Seven, seven. Did you have an, an audience? How did you get, even seven people. Yeah.
1: I had a very small audience. We did not have a huge email list at all. And by not huge, it was probably between one and 2000 subscribers. Maybe that's huge for some people, but it's, it's really small compared to some other lists out there. Yeah. And we did do Facebook ads for that, which I think was, you know, how we really generated our launch list, which is around 450 people. And we had about a 6.6 conversion rate for that program for that beta and without having ever done this before without you know really knowing what to expect in my mind the first thing i thought being the high achiever that i am was wow this seems really small you know seven people you know we had a 450 launch list you know 6.6 conversion rate but as i've done this a couple of times now and learned along the way and actually learned taking the time to learn what the industry averages are and things like that you know 6.6% Double the average. So I was like, "Oh, that's not so bad, right?" So,
0: especially just, if these are brand new people. A lot of them are like a colder audience. Just yeah, first time. Yep, totally. That's awesome. So, I love how you approach this with like openness, willingness to learn. What would you say were some of the big lessons from this first one?
1: I think going back to that whole perfectionist side of me and having to have everything. Just so that first launch, I didn't have a support team in place. Mm -hmm. It was just me. And I knew that doing it that way again was not going to be sustainable and definitely not in alignment with my mission and my message. So the biggest lesson from that first launch from that beta was, okay, I need to start outsourcing and I need to let some things go. And so that took more work personally, you know, than it did, I think, anything else, just being willing to let that stuff go. Um, was, that, sent, was that hard at first? Oh, it was hard at first. Yeah. yeah. And then I want to, you know, and one of my strengths is an attention to detail. I mean, if you take, you know, that strength, I'm, I'm into all the tests, you know, Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. you are
0: my, yeah. Myers-Briggs? Okay. I'm e- yeah,
1: yeah. I'm an ENFJ.
0: Okay, ENFJ. Okay, well then mm-hmm. I can guess it, but okay, ENFJ. Oh, you are gonna guess it.
1: I didn't even hear you say that, <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> that's, all right, that's all right, okay, ENFJ, got it. Yeah. Okay, so you feel like letting go to other people was hard because you had more of your own standard, but they were making mistakes.
1: Yes, it was that I have a standard that I hold myself and my business to. And I'll-
0: it's a whole other thing when it's like you're the face. Yeah. Yeah. Because any mistake or lower standard, people tend to just reflect on you. Oh, Courtney's lazy with her grammar or something like that. Or, oh, Courtney has typos or broken links or something. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. All of that, all of that came up. And that was kind of what, that was like the immediate thing afterwards. It's like, okay, I need help, but where do I begin? You know, and that just kind of felt kind of heavy for a while because all of those beliefs you know and the stories that i tell myself well how do i find someone i could really trust you know to turn this over to all of that worked through all of that and uh we now have three people on the team four four people on the team that we have outsourced to it's been amazing that was a huge learning curve in and of itself really spending the summer just learning to work with others in a team capacity like that, where I was their leader, as opposed to, you know, in the past it was always been me working for someone else, you know, thinking back to my corporate life. So that was a bit of a change, but I learned a lot there.
0: That's good. Congrats on that. Tell us about your, your second launch. You did another one, what, five, six months later.
1: Yes. We did another one in September. We increased the price. And we changed the name. So
0: a lot of changes here. A
1: lot of changes. And
0: what sparks changing the name?
1: Well, changing the name because that was another lesson I learned from the beta, was just honing in on messaging and really listening to the feedback that I got, not only from the members that went through the program, but also those who told me why they didn't join. And I really took time to get underneath, you know, the time and money objections, but to see what was coming up for them. And for some, they said, well, it just feels like one more thing to do. It just feels overwhelming, you know, or it just feels heavy. I I just don't want to go through another course, you know, on my own and trying to figure it out. And so there was obviously some broken pieces in our message, missing pieces rather in our messaging that, you know, we decided, Hey, let's tweak this a bit launch it again. So that's where the name change came from to really speak more to you know the pain to transformation
0: process. So what was the name before? What is it now?
1: So the name before was stress less, live more. The name in September was chaos to clarity. Then we ran into a trademarking issue so that the name is changing again, but okay. we've got, we've got Net down. <laughs> it is right. This is why you test, right?
0: I like that name though. Darn it. I know.
1: like, Darn it. It's so good. Right? Like clear, easy, got that alliteration going on.
0: But so the, we launched the part you already know, the personal brand of Courtney Elmer. No one can take that away. You know, people can get really fixated on names, right? Like yeah. It's got to be this name, the perfect name. And, you know, I always joke and say the first version of business by design was called James Wedmore's super awesome, amazing, sexy beta program. And people bought it then. So. <laughs> because the the value is in Courtney. Yeah. Okay. So take Yeah. So take us through that one.
1: So going through that launch, I knew going into it that it was not going to be an apples to apples comparison. And we increased the price. We changed the name. It looked like a new thing to our audience. I still had a lot of people that came through that didn't get into the beta that got in the second time around. What was interesting was that our launch list was smaller but our EPL went up. It almost doubled. Yeah. So it's
0: crazy. What was the price before? And then what did you raise the price to?
1: The price before was $397 for the beta. Oh, yeah. We raised it to $997 for the oh, second go
0: round. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So awesome. Anything else with that or lessons from that second one?
1: I think, you know, just recognizing that the expectations that you put in your mind versus the results that actually happen will most likely be two different things and that that's okay the results don't mean anything mm-hmm they're just results. There's just information. I mean, you say this all the time, you know, and I, I went into it thinking that as well. It's just, you know, I'm just curious. I'm just going to see what happens. I did do this weird thing though, where the second time around I said, okay, I'm not going to set any goals for myself at all. Like I'm not even going to say any numbers. Like, you know, cause the first time I had all these expectations that I was going into and the second time, I'm like total opposite end of the spectrum. I, and I'm not going to do that. Um, yes. yes. So there was a little bit of that going on there too. But again, really, I think just, you know, the intention of what are we going to learn from this and what is it going to teach us about how we can improve to meet our ideal clients where they are at, whether that be, you know, in our messaging, in our format, whatever, all the things are, you know, that we've learned and just to tweak along the way and be willing to do that.
0: Well, I appreciate you said, you know, James, you say this all the time and this is where I get really curious because there are some things I say all the time. And it's one thing to hear it and be like, oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard him say that. But then it's another thing when you're like living it and you're doing it and you're in the middle of the launch and that's how you're choosing to show up. And I'm curious to create something for our listeners. What's the difference for you? How are you able to take something that you heard a guy say 20 times in BBD or on the podcast and be like, okay, that's what I'm doing in this moment out on the court while I'm doing this launch? How does that become real for you?
1: That's an awesome question. For me in the moment, and again, it goes back to really paying attention to these emotions that come up. I feel like our emotions, especially the negative ones, are there to guide us in the right direction. (sighs) They're not there to ignore. They're not there to make us feel bad or to go to bed feeling defeated, whatever, you know, at the end of the day. They're there to pay attention to. And so throughout the launch, both launches of course I had all these stories and different things coming up, but I was very mindful and aware of them. And I really did my best to be present to them and then to ask myself, okay, why, why is this coming up for me? And more importantly than the why question, but what am I meant to learn from it, so I think staying really present to my emotions, you know, especially during that launch free fall, you know, in between, you know, doors open, doors close, and it's like, okay, well, what we don't know where it's going to go from here, you know, what's going to happen with this, and you know, all of those questions that come up, and recognizing that no matter what the results were, that I showed up and did my part. Yeah. And it didn't mean anything about me on the back end. It didn't mean I didn't have a good message or I didn't have a good program. You know, honestly, if the numbers weren't where I wanted them, it's probably because I didn't have enough people in the beginning of the funnel. When you, you know, when you look at the back end and say the conversion rates just fine.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So a numbers problem, like a real simple thing. And even if it did mean those things, even if it did mean like the messaging offer, the offer is offered not enough people. I think we tend to even approach that from a very fixed standpoint, like you can't change your messaging, you can't change your offer. You can't get more people in. Yeah. It's always fascinating to notice the difference when how people experience that experience of going through a launch and how differently people can, it's not permanent. It's one slice in many launches. And that's why part of what you spoke to is the experimenter mindset it's like, it's just another experiment. We're going to do this. We're going to see what happens. Cool. And then we're going to do something different next time. We're going to see what that happens, but it's not fixed. It's not, you're not doomed and stuck with the offer or the messaging or whatever happened. And that I, I think starts to free us up a little bit from this tight grip we have on the, the results and how it needs to go and our expectations of it. So uh, yes. it always makes me really happy to hear somebody that's like internally not, I don't know what to say, just not like going nuts over it, like staying that way the whole time. Right. Like stuff's going to come up for all of us, but I love what you said of working through it, slowing mm-hmm. down, uh, and paying attention to it.
1: I'm glad you said that about, you know, this trend, I guess, you know, you see, and I, I feel like I see it a lot among entrepreneurs, especially is that once I create this, I can't change it. Mm. I got trapped in that mindset for a long time too. And just thinking that, you know, okay, hey, this is it. I don't want to create this again. This takes a lot of work. This takes a lot of energy. This takes a lot, you know, out of me to create this. And so it was kind of this resistance. I felt this was back in the beginning, you know, of even putting this online to begin with was this resistance. I felt to putting forth that energy, you know, in that way again, to have to tweak it again, right? Wait, I just did this. Now I got to go tweak it, you know, and there was a resistance there.
0: And like a, a part of that too is like afraid you're going to waste time and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And of course for me, that being so out of alignment with my message and my mission and how I choose to live. So that I, that's a trend. That's a belief that I noticed coming up a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And that's one I really pay attention to. And so really just relaxing into that and knowing that nothing's permanent. That just because I decided it this way, this time, doesn't mean that that was a good decision or a bad decision, or I made the wrong decision, you know, or getting so trapped in making the right decision. It's just a decision, decision, yeah. just make it, just move on. It can change. Total. You can change your mind next time.
0: So great. I mm-hmm. love it. So as we wind down with the end of 2019, what's on the horizon for you? What do the next 12 months look like? What are you excited about?
1: Well, I'm super excited about my word for the year for 2019 was streamline. And I feel like we really did a great job of that. And I say we, because, you know, now that I've grown a team and brought this online and all of these huge changes have happened for us this year, I feel like now that we're winding the year down, things are starting to work more like a well-oiled machine. And so the other day I was standing at the sink washing dishes and it just came to me traction. And that's my focus for 2020 is taking what we have and just getting it out there in a bigger way and lather rinsing and repeating it. Not trying to chase after this shiny object or that shiny object, but just keeping our blinders on, keeping our nose to the ground and just staying focused on what we have and making it the best that it can be. Love it. So that's really my focus for the year ahead. And a couple of big things that I'm excited about. Number one, I've got a podcast coming out in February. So super excited for that to launch. Yeah. And a book as well that is in the works. So.
0: Wow. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah
1: couple personal projects I've been working on that of course are related to the business, but just um, really look, yeah. And that's another thing I spent a lot of time this year was looking for elements of fun that I could add into my life, you know, and into my business, especially what were things I wanted to pursue just for the fun of it, not for the business side, not, you know, for whatever visibility or all these other things, you know, sure. That could be a benefit as well, but just what was fun for me and what felt fun. So.
0: And the book is one of those.
1: Yeah. I love to write. I'm an English lit major. I know it's so nerdy, but yes.
0: <laughs> that's, it is a little, that's nerdy, but that's a, awesome. little a little bit. <laughs> for me, it's like going on a kite surfing or yeah, <laughs> was what I would think of a fun. And then I'd find a way to film some footage with a business there, but Hey, writing, if that's <laughs> fun to you, you know, to each their own, right. But that's awesome. Okay. So this has been amazing. Any final thoughts, words, or anything to share before we start to wrap this up? Yeah. I think for
1: those listening, you know, just remember that you have permission to change your mind. It's okay. Give yourself that permission and just recognize that, you know, hard work and hustle isn't the only way to get things done. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat as my dad used to always say. And so just go at it, you know, whatever it might be for you in in this year, you know, whatever it is you want to accomplish, go at it with the spirit of curiosity and just seek to learn and don't put so much weight on, you know, the results and what it means, just do it and learn from it. I mean, you you know, you're going to learn anyway, you know, there's going to be things that you learn along the way. So (laughs) why, you know, why resist that process? Yeah, exactly. It's going to, it's going to come one way or another. So
0: exactly. Awesome. And then how can people find you next steps to work with you?
1: Yeah. CourtneyElmer.com or Instagram's where I hang out the most at CourtneyElmer underscore.
0: Perfect. We'll link all of that up in the show notes. Please reach out to Courtney let her know what specifically she shared with you today uh, on the episode that had the biggest impact on you. So she can get that feedback loop complete. I know she'll be very appreciative of that. I will as well. So Courtney, what a pleasure. So happy we made this happen. So incredible for you to share your story. Thank you. Thank you. And so excited for you and uh, everything you have in store for the world in 2020 and beyond. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in, hanging out with us on another amazing episode, uh, showcasing another amazing, extraordinary entrepreneur like Courtney. We'll see y'all next time here on the mind your business podcast. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life